This time, lower your expectations as the most powerful men in Canada discuss top tech. This week, software alternatives. What? What? What was that? I don't know. That was that was kind of fun. So what do you mean by software alternatives, Beach? I mean, we all use software. Should we use more hardware, I guess, or firmware? I work at a retail store that is a computer store. And I get people coming in all the time and saying, well, I need to buy Acrobat. Or rather, I'm sorry, I get people coming in all the time and say, I need to buy Adobe, which leads to a very interesting conversation. But when I finally determine that what they need is Adobe Acrobat Pro. Because they want to edit PDF. A PDF thing. They want to mark up a PDF document. Oh. Or they want to fill in forms or something like that. The Acrobat Reader never did any of those things. And yet now the reader is starting to, it has a lot more of those possibilities. Uh, so even the free reader can do a lot of those things, but they think that they need the full-blown version of Acrobat. Or I have a document, but I need to turn it into PDFs to send to people, so I need Acrobat to do that because Acrobat's the thing that, that turns a document into a PDF. Or they're saying that they actually really do need to edit a PDF. They've received PDFs from people and they need to edit those things. They need to change words that have appeared in them because they can't get the original document back. Generally, when they say, I need Acrobat, I tend to try to assess what it is they need. Because there are many, many, many alternatives to Acrobat. PDF is a standard that Adobe said, here, we're going to give everybody access to this. So you don't have to use our stuff to do it because we just want the PDF format to be used everywhere so that we can sell our software that uses it. The problem is, is that people will come into the store and they will spend 90 bucks on a copy of Acrobat. And so what I have started doing, because I hate to see students especially spend way too much money on software, is I try to figure out what it is they need. If you are just going to, for example, take a document and make a PDF out of it, there are PDF printers, applications you can get for free, like PDF Printer, PDF Creator, Cute PDF. All three of these things, you use them as a printer, and you just select them in your printer dialog when you have a document, and you can make a PDF that way. Heck, on the Mac, any program that can print can print directly to a PDF. Yeah, you yeah. don't need to install anything else. You can just go File, Print, and then pick Save as PDF as the option from the Print Dialog menu in any Mac application, which is nice. But yeah, so you can get these free alternatives to making PDFs if you're in Windows so that you can do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so I thought we should be talking about alternatives to software that people are spending a lot of money on because they think they need Photoshop to touch up the red spots in their kids' eyes in their, in their family photos. <laughs> well, and, and let's not... Disparage Photoshop. Yeah, disparage it too much because Photoshop is a great program. But you're right, there's a lot of stuff you can do with other programs that most people could be fine with, they don't need a full version of Photoshop in order to do it. And same with Acrobat. Like, there's a lot of stuff Acrobat can do, but if all you need to do is turn your Word documents into PDF documents, you do not need to spend, you know, $90 or more on Acrobat. You can get all these really great alternatives. And so Photoshop is another good example. There's some free photo editing tools and some very affordable ones as well. There's the classic, of course, which is Photoshop's replacement on the Linux platform that has now moved on to all different platforms, which is the GIMP. That the stands <laughs> for the GNU Image Manipulation Program. And one of the things that was I always found problematic about the GIMP was that learning how to use Photoshop, switching to the GIMP was difficult because the interface was considerably different and just even file dialog boxes were different. And so you could get this plug-in package for theme package for the GIMP called the GIMP Shop, which made it look a lot more like Photoshop. And both of these things are still free and have a decent amount of development. But again, they are a huge giant jackhammer if you just need a fly swatter. They're, they're overkill. You don't need Photoshop or the GIMP Shop to do most of your simple photo editing. 
It's true. Adobe themselves, they make their own alternatives to a lot of the software. If you don't need Photoshop, you could try Photoshop Elements. They might actually have the features that you want, and so you could still stay on Adobe if you wanted to. Oddly enough, Beach, when you're talking about things like just removing Red Eye, that's again something that Mac OS X Preview can do. <laughs> Which is the application that's built into Mac OS X for viewing PDF documents and images. And you can actually do cropping and oh, remove Red Eye. Sign documents. Every time I've ever shown someone the function built into the preview application that comes on Mac to show you how you can insert a signature on a piece, the of piece of paper, and then you hold it up to the camera, and it says that's a signature, and then you can insert that as a signature into any PDF document you ever get on your computer on your Mac again. It is awesome. But sometimes you need a little bit more control than just the kind of limited function that the preview app does, or even this print-to-PDF applications on Windows. So you might need something else like PDF Pen to edit your PDF documents. Made by Smile Software, or Smile on My Mac, or Smile Inc., whatever their name is this week. <laughs> And well, and the, we should talk a little bit about why that program is really great. It's a cross-platform program. It's not very expensive, and it allows you to do anything that you really want that Acrobat can do. But it, it's a much slicker interface. You can edit documents that are already created in PDF. You can mark them up. You can sign them. You can print them out. You can do all the kind of things you would expect. Ah, I wish I could mention ones that come on the Windows platform, but I don't use Windows anymore. And because I use Linux, uh, no one listening will care. So, <laughs> moving on. Well, actually, Beach, uh, before we get into that too much, I'd like to mention there's a wonderful site out there called Alternative 2. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. You want to go to alternative2.net. Type mm-hmm. in your favorite application that you never want to use again. And it will provide you with alternatives to it, both on Windows and on the Mac OS. And on Linux, too, actually. It might not always give you the best suggestions. I mean, if you go there and you type in Skype, a lot of the suggestions they'll give you are probably not things that are as good at some things as Skype is as good at. But you can certainly feel free to try some of those things out, especially when they're free or they have demos kind of thing. And you can filter by tags. You can filter by license, whether it's commercial, free and open source, or just open source. And you can filter by platform, too. Alternative to.net. Yes, yes. I will have students walk in and they look at me imploringly and they're like, I need to get Excel because I need just Excel. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't buy just Excel for your Mac or for your Windows. You have to buy the entire Office suite. And they're like, oh, well, how much is the academic version of the student version? And they're like, oh, well, that's great because it's, you know, it's $100. Oh, I don't have $100. At which point, then, I get to do my favorite thing, which is evangelize for something other than Microsoft Office. We found over the years that Microsoft Office is is the de facto standard in a lot of organizations, but as more organizations are changing their platforms, we're seeing a lot more Macs make their way in. Office for Mac is still very strong, but people have been considering other software, such as, Ian, because you've probably used this and I haven't. Numbers, which is a product made by Apple that approximates many of the same functions as Excel on the Mac. You can get it for iPad or iPhone and also for the Mac. And it's, it's quite good. I like it a lot. It's, Numbers actually is a fantastic spreadsheet as well, I'd say. It's a lot easier to do. It's not as powerful in terms of what you can do uh, as Excel, but it's a lot more pleasant to use for everything you'd normally use Excel for. And more affordable as well. And more affordable and completely compatible as well. You can import from Excel and you can export back out to Excel from numbers. And it'll, it'll let you know if you're doing anything that's going to make either of the programs work. Again, the same thing with Pages, which is Apple's uh, uh, word, processing. word processing and also page layout software. And in fact, as a, uh, as a guy who does page layout in my day job, 
I actually use pages every now and then when I need to put together a quick poster or a brochure because it's a lot easier to do in pages than it is in any other program. On the Windows side of things, you've got Word, which is, let's face it, it's terrible for page layout. It's good for writing documents, but page layout, it's a big pain in the butt. And so Microsoft's alternative to that is to use Publisher, which is an absolute beast of a program that's terrible, which you can't even get on the Mac version of Office. And then basically most people's alternative to that is to go a huge step up on Windows or Mac and go to something like InDesign, which is a professional page layout program that newspapers and magazines use. And it's way more complicated than Word or Publisher. But it's on the Mac, so good, though. It, it's it is, so it is, good. It is actually a very good program. I quite like it. I used to do newspaper layout. And when we switched from Quark Express to InDesign and the different iterations, and I've seen how well InDesign has come over the years and how great it is for topographical control. And Sometimes there is really no alternative to a piece of software. And InDesign is one of those pieces. If you're doing simple page layout, I find that Pages on the Mac is much better than Word on any platform for doing page layout and is way better than Publisher. And it's not as good as InDesign, but it's a lot more affordable and it's a lot easier to learn. And it's definitely worth looking into if you're wanting to do some more kind of interesting page layouts as opposed to just, you know, centering your your images and your words and, and trying to fix everything with tables and stuff on in Word. It, it's much nicer to do page layout in Pages. So that brings us then to, we've got our Word alternative for Mac, we have our Excel alternative for Mac, that brings us to our PowerPoint alternative for Mac, which is Keynote. And there's no contest there, just don't touch PowerPoint. Keynote has a lot of very powerful templates built in that are built to be beautiful right off the top. Anything you develop, any carpenter will tell you, you know, a bad hammer doesn't necessarily make you a bad carpenter, right? A, a good carpenter can still use a bad hammer and, and create something that's good. And that's kind of the thing is that if you're really good with PowerPoint, then you can make some really nice PowerPoint presentations. Chances are good you're not making good PowerPoint presentations right now. But Keynote will hold your hand a little more and do a lot of the things that make your PowerPoint presentations look nice. All your presentations in Keynote, they look really good for some reason. I'll probably tell you why, Beach. Um, can we all agree on who is possibly the best tech speaker of all time? Steve Jobs. Yeah. yeah. Keynote was designed specifically for Steve Jobs. So that he could do the kind of things he wanted to do in a keynote speech that he wasn't able to do with PowerPoint and programs like exactly. it. He was using it for years before they finally said, hey, we could probably make some money off this by selling it. So they polished it up a bit for consumer use and shipped it off with the rest of the applications. And you could make very, very nice looking presentations using Keynote, either using the templates or even just from scratch. If you start from scratch with Keynote, uh, I've only played with it a little bit. But it handles a lot of things like the font quality and uh, animation-wise. Like it doesn't give you a whole bunch of animations, is my understanding. At least the version I played with a long time ago didn't, because animations tend to be distracting. Like there's all these little little rules about giving presentations that Keynote takes into account to say that yeah, if you allow people to play sound back in their presentation, it's going to be annoying to have whoop every time a new bullet comes in. That's not getting people's attention. That's distracting them from what you're actually saying. It does give you options for animation. They are there. They're, they're much more subtle and, I guess, more graceful than the ones you get in PowerPoint. But mm -hmm. what I really like about it and what uh, people who design websites like about it is the way that it guides you when you're placing down images and shapes. It, it, yep. it not only takes into account centers and edges of the screen, but also relationships and distances between the objects on the screen. 
and rule so, of thirds. It does all sorts of really great oh. stuff that it doesn't force you to do them. You can override them, but it snaps everything in a really nice placement so that things are well spaced apart from each other. Mm. It's really hard to explain especially over the radio, but like yeah. it is amazing to use. It's like a designer standing over your shoulder saying, hey, it looks like you're thinking about putting something in this area. Maybe you want it exactly here. Yes. Yeah. And it just makes it great. One of the things that I use Keynote for is I do uh, my award ceremony for my film festival, and I actually use Keynote for it because it allows me to embed videos in a really seamless way and auto-play them and have the, the length of them set. It also does really nice transitions between them. It allows me to place text over top of the video. It allows me to have the text come in and out, and it snaps everything into a really good distance location between stuff and put logos on. And all these things are just, it's a dream to use for something like that. And yeah, it's, it's a very, very good tool. And going back to PowerPoint after you've used Keynote, it's a nightmare, in my opinion. <laughs> So really what we're saying here actually in this sense is if someone comes into your office beach and says, well, I need a computer with Microsoft Windows on it, and you say, hmm, yeah, what do I really <laughs> need Windows for? You know, a good alternative to Microsoft Windows is Mac OS X. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of hit a lot of that on this podcast, I realize. Yeah. Actually, based on that is that I get people who come in and saying, oh, well, you know, I want a PC again, but I'm thinking about getting a Mac. And then as we start talking, they're kind of like, oh, well, they'll say something that makes it sound like I'm really trying to push a Mac on them. And I said, I'm a Linux user. You can buy a Mac, you can buy a PC, you, you know, Windows machine, whatever. It doesn't matter. I use Linux at home. I'm not really beholden to either of these things, but let me tell you, if you're not comfortable with using one or the other, either stick with what you got or be prepared to learn a little bit of something. That being said, I think the Mac will be frustrating for a little bit, but you'll really learn to like it. You could actually say the same about Linux for certain tasks. And if you are really interested in getting down and dirty and nitty-gritty with your computer... It's a fine alternative to either of the yeah. currently existing uh, choices. Sometimes these, these students, though I can't afford buying pages or numbers or whatever, I mean, they're 15 or $20 a piece, but it's like they don't really want to do that, and they're kind of unsure about how it's going to work. But everybody always responds to free. <laughs> so what I recommend is LibreOffice. You might have heard of OpenOffice, maybe. Almost none of you have heard of StarOffice, but that's fine. StarOffice begat OpenOffice, and OpenOffice was an open source office alternative that has been being programmed for, like I guess, like the last decade, practically. And recently, there was some licensing concerns because of Oracle and Sun and a whole bunch of whatevers, and a bunch of people said, yeah, we're upset. We're going to fork the source code. We're leaving OpenOffice, and we're going to start developing LibreOffice instead. It's going to be really, truly free as Libra, right? It's going to be really, truly free. And... In my estimation, it's about 85 to 90% feature complete next to any other Office uh, application that's out. It's not as pretty, uh, hell, it's not even as pretty as Office 2010. You know, not as polished and, and nice as Pages or Numbers or anything else. It's the iWork suite from Apple. But it does a lot of things really well. And I would always say if you need an Office suite for home, for whatever reason, don't spend your money go try this first and see if it answers all of your wishes. When I used to instruct seniors and beginners on computers, I would show them WordPad in Windows and get them using WordPad, which is a very, very low-rent word processor. You can change the font. You can change the spacing. And they didn't know that that was just built in. I'm like, this isn't Word. This is WordPad. But you can write letters in this. You can, you know, write your cranky letter to the editor if you want to in this and you can save it and then you know email it or whatever it's fine but i always try to say you might want to try LibreOffice. don't spend the money yet 
all the alternatives we're talking about today, they all will open documents that are made in the software that we're talking about that made it. There is a reason that Microsoft Office is the standard, but it's a standard that everyone at least understands. Yeah, so you can open up DOC files or DOCX files with LibreOffice, and then you can save them as those as well, and so that people who are using Office that you're working with, you can still work between them. And the same with pages and numbers and Keynote and PDF Pen, of course, because they're all using PDF editing capabilities. Good show so far on Office alternatives. I think we might have to revisit this in the future. Mm -hmm. Because I think I would really like to get in here and tell people about my favorite alternative terminal application and my favorite alternative shell. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think we need a, we need a sub-podcast for how geeky you want to take this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Over-the-top tech. <laughs> so on that bombshell, we have been the most powerful men in Canada. I'm Ian Horner. I'm Johnny Blakebro. And I'm going to be updating my computer tonight with more software updates. I'm Brendan Beach-Deary. Thanks for joining us. The Most Powerful Men in Canada would love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at toptech.tiltyhouse.com if you have any comments or if there are any subjects you'd like us to cover in a future show.